This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, episode number 19. I feel like I could start a side biz, helping folks find the childcare that's right for them. There's so many things to look for, questions to ask, things to know, and between nannies and home daycares and childcare centers, knowing like what is best for your family unit, what you can expect from each, and then also like what questions to ask, what to look for, what does quality childcare mean. I don't know if you've ever done like a care.com search, but I recently was helping a friend of mine and she put in the criteria and she searched. We got like thousands of applicants that were potential nanny hires. Granted, we're in Boston, so we're in a bigger city, but it was outrageous. I was like, how is a parent supposed to know kind of how to sort through all of this? So I brought on my friend Lacey. We were co-directors at a childcare center, and she was a director for a while. She's been a teacher and she's been a nanny, and so we just dove into like what to expect in a childcare center versus a home daycare versus a nanny. And hopefully this can help you sort through like which one of those is right for you. I've worked with families who had a nanny who I think actually maybe really wanted a childcare center, and vice versa, I've worked with folks in a center who maybe a nanny was a better fit for them. So hopefully this can help you sort through all those questions. And we're going to do this in a two-part episode. So this is going to be part one, where we talk about the differences and kind of go into like the expectations from each, um, what you're going to get out of each. And then in the second episode next week, we will go into like questions to ask, like if you are interviewing a nanny or you are visiting a home daycare or child care centers, 
What are some questions to ask to find out all the information you're going to need up front kind of going into this situation and to know what the quality of care you might receive is? I created two freebies for you as well, one for this week and one for next week. So the one for this week will really outline this conversation. It'll highlight the differences and kind of expectations. I like to think of it as like positives and challenges of each scenario, home daycare nanny and and childcare center. And then next week will be an outline of questions to ask or things to look for when you're like touring a center or interviewing nannies. Uh, So you can kind of get all that information up front. Both of those are again available for download at voicesofyourvillage.com and you can head on over and snag them today. All right, so let's dive in with Lacey. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey there, welcome to Voices of Your Village. Uh, Today, I'm here with one of my dear friends and former colleagues, Lacey Mallett. She and I were co-directors of a childcare center here in the Boston area, and we've both been nannies, we've both worked in childcare for a long time, and uh, so I wanted to have her come on and chat with me about the differences in childcare, what we're looking at, questions to ask, all that jazz. So this is something I get a lot of questions about in general. People are like, ah, it's time to send my kid to school. Like, what now? There are either so many options because you're in a city and you don't know where to go with that, or you you might have more limited options in more rural or suburban areas and still not know what's the best fit for you and for your kid in terms of nanny, uh, home daycare, childcare, all that jazz. So we're going to dive into that. Lacey, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Totes, you want to tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. Um... So I have worked with kids in different capacities for, I don't know, maybe 15 years, maybe a little longer even, but I've worked in, in the classroom. I've worked as a director with you, um, and in two different centers and administrative roles. Um, and I do some nannying and yeah, lots of different varieties. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I feel like you're just like a village member in so many different capacities. Uh, I When I came to the child care center, you were flying solo, like not long before that. And it makes no sense to me because we both worked a billion hours a week and it never felt like enough. And I have no idea how you ever did that by yourself. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Uh, so let's let's go into kind of like, I guess, child care first and child care centers. That's sure. where I am now um and where you and I worked together and there's a lot of variety there man yes absolutely I would say I mean with the exception of like the chains and even those really nothing none of them are exactly the same right so yeah it's kind of hard to know what you're gonna get and 
Um, yeah, obviously state to state is going to vary in terms of like ratios and, and what those requirements are. Um, but largely I feel like in terms of like home daycare, childcare, nanny, childcare is usually middle of the road in terms of expense mm-hmm. cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's definitely the most regulated. Yes, Absolutely. So while you won't necessarily know what you're going to get exactly and every child care center will be different, um, it's pretty safe to say that like someone's checking up on you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the government knows what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right down to like, are you using a bottle warmer or not? Right? Like, yes. That's, it's very regulated. Um, and it's unique in that like you have multiple people kind of overseeing each other on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean... You chat about your experience maybe as a nanny, but no one's there, right? Like, which for a parent, I'm sure, there's a lot of nerve wracking. Yes, there's a lot of trust that goes into that. <laughs> for sure. All right. So but, when we're when we're looking at child care, um, I want to take a look at like infant care. Kind of like what does that look like for infants in a child care setting, like their day-to-day life? Um, so for infant care... Um, in a childcare setting would be um, not necessarily a schedule to the day because it does depend on the kids. It should be, because they're so young, it should be really more geared towards what their needs are and following their routines, um, eventually moving towards a schedule. But mm-hmm. um, And some curriculum planning as the kids get a little bit older that also, again, will vary a little bit based on age. Um, but child care center would know what's appropriate. And, um, the very beginnings is really a lot of trying to have one-on-one time with their caregivers and, um, and then moving more towards, um, curriculum planning. For sure. No, I think it's true. I think one thing that you touched on there was like trying to get one-on-one time, right? Like I think that's an expectation we got to have in terms of if you're sending your kid to a child care center for infant care. Your expectation has to be they're not getting one-to-one care all day. Right. They're going to get snuggles. They're going to get love. They're going to get some one-to-one care. Absolutely. I mean, when the kids are really young, their schedules are all over the place. And so at any given time, all of the kids can be awake. None of the kids can be awake. Half of them. So, you know, the the one-on-one time will really vary. Totally. Uh, Everyone could need a bottle. You can have seven screaming kids. (laughs) Been there. Yeah. (laughs) uh yeah no it's true i feel like it's a lot of like triaging as an infant teacher of like Mm -hmm. and just like systems right like keeping track of like okay who needs what when and when are they and then you finish and you're just like recording the next times diaper food naps it's just constant there's always someone who needs something yeah um yeah i would say like of all the jobs i've ever had infant teachers the most exhausting i would agree there's really no breaks like when you get to the older classrooms, you kind of know like, okay, we're all going to sit down and eat a meal together. It's still pretty crazy, but at least like you get a second to breathe. Whereas with the infant classrooms, those are... You're just on. Yeah, it's kind of few and far between. Yeah. And they, they cry to communicate with you. Right. So just hearing cries all day long. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Um, but I think that's a huge expectation to, to kind of be mindful of. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they sleep in the same room. Yes. So, so good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sleep is interesting with infants. For sure. 
And I mean, I've worked with a lot of childcare centers around sleep. I've done presentations and all that jazz. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's challenging to A, get all these kids sleeping. Yes. And B, to help them sink naps when there might be a kid playing near them. Right. Yeah, it's a challenge in and of itself. Um, another thing to like just consider if you're sending your kid to to infant care is just like the germ factor, mm-hmm. right? Like they're gonna get sick. Yeah, it's just gonna happen, right? Like a kid, especially once they're crawling, kid puts something in their mouth, they drop on the ground, another kid comes up, puts that thing in their mouth, right? If ever, if all day long we put those toys in a sanitizer, we just would never have toys on the ground. No, never. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so they're going to get sick and like with that comes like parent phone calls of like sick days and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, even teething. I mean, it's hard to know sometimes whether or not it's teething. So you might see a fever and that kid's got to go home mm-hmm. and like kind of towing that line. Like if you have a job, you can't call out child care center might not be the best option for your infant. Right. It's definitely challenging. I mean, <clears throat> Like you said, um, it is the most regulated, and that means that they have the most rules about when kids mm-hmm. can't come to school because of illnesses and that sort of thing. So, totally, it can be challenging. I think a cool part about child care centers is that you are going to do like assessments, you're going to be tracking these kids' development. So, if there's any delay, there's anything that we should be mindful of, we're going to more likely than not be on top of it more so in a child care center um because you have all these eyes on these kids yeah and we see so many kids right right? like at this point i've seen hundreds of infants i can tell you pretty quickly if there's something that just doesn't seem like typical development yeah absolutely um and then i guess like depending on the center you're at you might also have like extracurriculars i mean the center we ran we had like infant massage Mm -hmm. which is cool um music program yep um, where I'm at now, we have, we don't have extracurriculars for the kids, but we have specialists. So I have an OT and an SLP, mm-hmm. uh, occupational therapist and a speech language pathologist. Um, there are episodes with both an OT and an SLP. If you want to hop back to those, um, I've learned so much from them. Yeah. I mean, that was, it, we didn't see it with infants so much because it's not usually not usually when hmm. um, things are diagnosed or anything yeah. like that. But um, that was one of, I felt was one of the huge benefits for me working in a childcare center was that access to these other professionals who know even more in depth about totally. um, development and that sort of thing. And then those were things that we could bring to the center without, you know. Totally. Um also, I was going to say, oh, the most recent center that I was working at um, had in-house um, sorry, okay. social workers and Ooh. people that would come and observe the classrooms and that sort of thing. So every center is, is very different and provides different things. Um, and actually, that was the selling point to me to go and work there was knowing that there were people... Um, who would come in and kind of give you another set of eyes, another opinion, had different expertise, and also to support the teachers. Like Totally. That makes such a huge difference in the care that the kids are getting. Yeah, for sure. It's so nice to have, like, other people to bounce things off of, too. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just to kind of broaden on that too, we have to do professional development when right. you're teaching yes. in a child care center. That's right. So um, I feel like I've just like, you have to continue to grow. I mean, our school brings it in. Mm-hmm. We brought it in. We were directors. Um, but it's a huge, huge perk, I think, to, to child care teachers. Um, I think that the tough part, especially about infant care, is that a lot of infant teachers don't have a degree in early childhood because you're paid crap. Right. Yes. <laughs> you don't make anything. Because if there's seven kids in a classroom, if you even if you have three teachers in there, like you're losing money. Yeah. Between like paying for the classroom, you only have seven kids paying tuition. Right. Three teachers, it's not. And you usually have more than three teachers. And we have, I'm, I'm fortunate right now, but um, yeah. maybe not three, three at a time. But you have openers, closers, right? It's not a full day that you work. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's that's that was a challenge for us when we were directors, getting people who have degrees in early childhood who could afford to be infant teachers. <laughs> right. It's a huge, huge challenge. Um, and, like, ironic, right? Because we know that the first three years we're developing 90% or 80% of their brain, and um, yet we know that infant toddler teachers are paid the least Right. Yes. They have such a huge responsibility. Um, all right. So let's let's stick within like this age range then. Let's go, we'll can, sure. kind of dive into. So we said child care centers was probably like middle of the road in terms of expense and all that jazz. We dive into nannies, which I think is typically the most expensive. Yeah, I think so. Okay. With the exception of like maybe if you did like kind of nanny share type thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is if you did a nanny share, I think the cost may be the same as childcare or mm-hmm. a little bit cheaper. The other thing is, um, I know a lot of families decide once they have a certain number of kids, so if it's two mm-hmm. or three, then kind of debating about whether to go to a childcare center or a nanny, because even with two kids, sometimes a nanny can be cheaper than totally. a center. So Yeah. I mean, Boston centers, it's crazy. Right. You could pay up to like $30,000 a year. Yeah. Freaking easy. Wild. Yeah, yeah easy. <laughs> Wild. Um, so nannies, though, I mean, huge perk with nannies. It's like you're not taking that sick time. Right. Some nannies might have like vacation time, not nearly the amount you'll probably have with childcare. No. Nannying is better in terms of like if you have a really tough work schedule that you can't get time off um Mm -hmm. can't take those sick days that easily you don't have to stress about like my child is sick i need to pick them up the nanny is just on it totally totally and like i mean they're often coming to your house right you know and have that commute yes uh for infant care your kid can be on whatever schedule yeah oh yeah absolutely there's no like yeah you're at your house um you can really dictate like even like where they're sleeping, how they're sleeping, all that jazz, like feeding, everything like that. Um, I have some friends who work from home too. And so they went the nanny route because they could feed from home. They wouldn't have to pump. Right. Huge added bonus. Yeah. Um, okay. So here, here's kind of the downside, I think, to nannying, right? Like there's no professional development requirement. Right. Um, it takes a, it's a lot of trust. A lot of trust. You're just having a stranger in your may, maybe it's someone that you know totally, but potentially a stranger. I think a lot of times house. a stranger. Yeah. Um, with no, there's no one like kind of checking up on things. 
There's no guarantee unless you, I don't know, do a nanny cam or something like that, which right. feels a little... From the nanny side of that, like, I'd be like, come on, just trust me. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right? What if I want to pick my nose? I'll wash my hands. I know. Like, <laughs> exactly. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No. That would stress me out, I think. I know. Yeah. I would not. I wouldn't do a nanny cam. But yeah. No. You should, you should trust whoever's in your house. For sure. Whoever you hire, you shouldn't feel like you need to have a nanny cam because you should trust that they're taking good care of your child. I agree. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, so, I mean, a, another cool part about nannying is that you can build in like light, light house care. Yes. So like the kids would go down for a nap and I would do the dishes or yeah. whatever. You can throw in a load of laundry. You don't have to pack lunches. You don't have to do any of those like added things. Yeah. There's a lot. Uh, I think there's a lot of prep that goes into just getting your kids to childcare. Totally. And with nannying, you really don't have to do that. Like, they don't even have to get will... dressed. Yeah. <laughs> Nanny will do it all. That's right. <laughs> Nanny will do it all. Um, you might end up paying for like extracurricular classes, right? Mm-hmm. Like you might end up doing like a music class or something like that on top of this. Um uh, one thing, and I think that this is something parents can build into. When I nannied, I did like a, a little book, and on the last day of the week, I would just write, and sometimes I'd write it throughout the week, just like a little recap. Um, for me, the teacher and me like needed to reflect on the week so that I knew kind of like where they were developmentally and what I was working on with them. It helped my like reflective practice. But I think you can ask that of a nanny of like, hey, we just want like. Can you keep a journal essentially so that we can remember this, like where they were and mm-hmm. like down the road and all that jazz and just these little memories, right? Like I would do little anecdotes and like little things that they said to me or little memories I had of the week. Um, every day at nap time, I sent pictures to the, just texted them to the families. Um, again, the teacher and me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think that you can build that into like a nanny contract. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that a good nanny will understand and feels that that's not too much to ask. Totally. It's totally reasonable to do those things and that it's just communi- good communication. So. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, like these people are going to be spending time with your kids all day. Yeah. You want to be on the same page about how you're approaching things. Right. Right. Absolutely. Or at least know yeah. how they're approaching things. Right. And what they're seeing from your kid and all that jazz. So, yeah, no, I agree. That communication piece is huge. So you might have, like, paid days off here. Right. Right. So I also built that into my contract. Yeah. had, like, a week around Christmas and then a certain number of, like, other holidays throughout the year, a couple sick days. Um, that'll be an expectation. Some nannies are paid under the table. Yeah. So from the parent side, like then you can't claim the child care tax credit. Right. It's another financial factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might be able to get like a solid nanny in that. Right. Like, right. like if, if you can afford it, like as an investment for your kid, it might. Yeah. Or you might just have to pay a nanny more. Yes. Yeah. If you're going to do it over the table. Yeah. Um, things to consider not that i've ever been paid under the table um <laughs> no, <never>. <laughs> uh, in my professional career when i nannied and actually i brought it into the child care center too i use an app there are so many you can choose from yeah. but just to like 
log sleep and feeding and diaper changes and whatever. And at school, it's cool because uh, we have breastfeeding parents who can pop down and feed because they can look at the app and be like, oh, it's going to be time for this kid to feed. Um, and they can also like throughout the day see like, oh, they took a really short nap or we can write notes to each other in there, mm-hmm. things like that. And I loved it for nannying for the same reason they could write notes, but also throughout the day, like I didn't have to recap the day at the end of the day and be like, oh, I think they took a two hour nap, whatever. Like it was all in there. Yeah. And I would have them track the overnights, um, so that I knew who I was walking into in the morning. Right. Like I know, okay, they woke up at five instead of six, like it's good to know so i'm not like why are they losing their mind at 10 a.m um yeah apart from being a toddler or an infant um and yeah so that i think is just something to be mindful of in in whatever child care you're going into yeah. i feel like you have less control over this in home daycare setting so we can move into that next yeah i would agree i know a lot of child care centers are definitely moving towards the apps and mm-hmm. honestly i think they're fantastic um, but I don't know if home daycares are doing that as much. Um, I think one of the biggest things about home daycares is, uh, that it's usually a mixed group of ages for mm-hmm. the kids. And so, you know, when you go to a center, all of the kids are going to be within a small window of, right. um, age and nanny, it's probably one-on-one, maybe, maybe two kids, something like that. Mm-hmm they're probably around, you know, either the same age if it's a share or siblings. So right. it feels very different than um, home daycare. You could have two infants and two five-year-olds or who knows, something like that. Totally. No, I think that's a huge point. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there are some regulations around like how many infants and all that jazz yeah. uh, you can have in mixed age. Again, it's going to vary state to state, so I don't want to speak to the regs right. too much because it. Could, I know them for Mass, and I know them for New York, and I know them for Vermont. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I know it'll vary here. But largely, I mean, my mom ran a home daycare, right? Like unregulated, out of the home, mixed age, no degree in early childhood. She had a mom of five, so she had that experience, but she had five kids under the same roof with you know generally like the same experience like mm-hmm. i i think one thing that's huge is child care center you get so many kids you see so many different kids i will say like uh, a good friend of mine has a masters in early childhood and she ran home daycare and um is amazing sounds amazing she's amazing i would a thousand percent trust her with any tiny human um but most of the home daycares that I've come across, folks don't have degrees in early ed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an awesome option for stay-at-home moms or parents, rather, who who want to be able to be at home with kids and need to bring in more kids to be able to afford it. Um, I think that's where a lot of it starts. Uh, also, we know in childcare, like this is traditionally women's work, yeah. right? And it is predominantly women. Uh overwhelmingly women that work in the field and a lot of home daycares uh are are women who don't necessarily have a degree in early childhood and um there's it's not nearly as regulated as a child care center but they have an awesome home feel you can also like often have kids napping in separate rooms so Mm -hmm. for infant care like you can get that yeah they're also going to be in a home which 
I don't know. It, for me, it feels comfortable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and there, there's, it's less regulated. And so you have a little more flexibility in terms of like, even just like eating setups and what you can have and kind of how you can do it and all that jazz. I feel like there's a tendency to be like more access to nature. Maybe we're in a city. And so I, I think of access to nature as a thing. Yeah. I mean, we worked at a center where we didn't have our own playground, all that jazz. Um, now we have the center of men now is our own playground and we have a garden and I'm like, we have so much land. <laughs> There's like green everywhere. Uh, it's wild going from like Brooklyn to Boston to like now just outside of Boston. Um, I can't even imagine going to like a center from back home where like yeah. I grew up in farmland, right? right. <laughs> it's not like I'm a city kid and I'm just like, woo, land. <laughs> uh, but I feel like at home daycares, there's often at least like a yard or yeah. something like that. So, um, you can have like your own playground attached. Mm-hmm. It's often cheaper. Yes. Than a it center. It's often cheaper. Yeah. It's often the cheapest option yes. for childcare. Yeah, it is. Um, and I will say like, I mean, you and I have talked so much about this that, like, a lot of what you end up choosing is what feels right. Totally. Right? Like... Trust your gut. And so, you know, I think that with a home daycare, like, I know plenty of people who have chosen home daycares, and it was like, it feels homey, and that's right. where I want my child to be right now, and maybe in a couple of years when they're in preschool age, I want them to be in a different setting, but this feels right, because this person feels very like connected to them and mm-hmm. loving and um so I think a lot of that just comes back to totally how it feels how you feel about uh what kind of environment feels right to you with your child um right. something else that's that I was just thinking about with home daycares that's kind of interesting and I had mentioned about this like age gap between kids mm-hmm. um but that also like it maybe can um I don't want to say be like a detriment because it's not mm-hmm. that sounds I think like it can be extreme, a challenge but it can be a challenge yes yeah. a challenge from like the care provider perspective yes. <laughs> exactly and it can be really great because then you get these situations where um you know a two-year-old or a three-year-old is helping a one-year-old uh, with their lunch or build something or whatever it is like and right. you get to see these really interesting interactions and kids learn very differently whereas in a center they their interactions with that um difference in age is probably a lot more limited very yeah no i think that the age gap can be awesome for yes, kids i agree it's just so challenging for us yes <laughs> absolutely it's fantastic and hard <laughs> totally totally i've talked to my mom about this but i'm just like how did you do it right <laughs> she's she's the calmest person i've ever known in my whole life um i didn't get that and <laughs> it was apparently not a gene that was passed down um but she yeah she like she, she was just like, yeah, it just all works out, whatever, everything's fine. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I feel like I would be like, ah, they need to be napping now or they need to be on their schedule. Um, or like, where did that kid go? There are so many rooms in this right. house. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I guess you use gates, you, yeah. you whatever. Um, but no, I think that the like older kids caring for the younger kids from like an emotional yeah. development perspective too. Yeah. Just that empathy and like social awareness and and learning about babies. Yeah. Right? Like most people go on to be parents. 
Yes. Right? And so if we can groom them as young as possible right. and like <laughs> understand this. Perfect. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I maybe it was just written in the cards for me as part of my passion, but maybe I am where I am because I was changing my little brother's cloth diapers at age five. Right. right? <laughs> my brother paid me a dime for a pee diaper and a quarter for a poop diaper. <laughs> If they were cloth, I should have charged much more. Yeah. Uh, silly Alyssa. You didn't know your worth. I then. didn't know my worth. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think like including kids in the village, we talk about the village a lot yeah. and um, we don't always include kids. I think it was an important point. Yeah. It's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns, and it came in the mail, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear this for myself every day. Their luxe women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical-free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin, too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com village, promo code VILLAGE. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Some really fantastic stuff happens when kids of different age groups start to work together. Mm. And it's, uh, it's very, very cool to watch. So that could be a huge perk. Well, on my podcast, uh, that aired recently about like K through six elementary school um, with Amanda Warren that she was talking about. Uh, They don't do grades. And so they have mixed age essentially Mm -hmm. in their classes. And uh, just hearing her talk about like older kids helping younger kids and vice versa, just like everybody collaborating uh, to help each other with different things and just how beautiful it is to see that. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds sounds dreamy. It's amazing. I mean, even in my classroom where I have like split 
It's, it's, they're all toddlers at this point, but that six month age gap for toddlers is huge, right? Huge. And so my youngest who sits on like one of those high chairs on the ground where mm-hmm. his feet touch the ground, he has like a little chair with a tray essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my older kids just today, like she was all done with snack and she washed her hands and came over and wanted to help feed him. And so she's like doing the spoon and like feeding him. It's the cutest thing in the whole wide world. So great. Right? It's so cute. And, and they're interacting and just helping each other. And so I think that's, that's just a really good point. And you get more and more of that as you have an older age gap. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I follow some people on Instagram and there's nothing cuter to me than like a seven-year-old wearing a baby. No. It's so cute. Yes. Hands down. <laughs> Can seven-year-olds wear all the babies? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag wear all the babies. Um, <laughs> Love it. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good point. So... And, and I think, I mean, we know actually that 50% of kids uh, around the country are in home daycares. So half of our kids are in home daycares. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like growing up, I don't, I can't think of a single child care center. I'm sure there are a couple now in my area, yeah. but um, it was home daycares. Yeah. It wasn't even nannies. We couldn't afford it. No, right? I grew up yeah. in like, you know, low income. <laughs> How? <laughs> uh yeah, we couldn't afford it. I grew up in like low income area and home daycares was just the option. And, um, but I think like just expecting that and like, yeah, you're still going to get that sickness. I feel like it's a little less strict. Yeah. Also a lot of home daycares are unregulated. Yeah. We know that that's, that's, a, that's actually kind of a, a growing problem because as we're trying to move the bar in early childhood and that comes with regulations, right. To, um, and yet we know there are a lot of home daycares flying under the radar. Um, but it's got it's just how it's got to be. Yeah. People need childcare. So I think like, yeah, trusting your gut. And and I think you can you can advocate too and say like, hey, like what's the communication look like? Mm-hmm. Knowing those things. Like you're probably not going to get a daily email. You're not going to get assessments. Uh, you might not get pictures at nap time. Heck, I mean, I couldn't do pictures in nap time if I had then other kids awake. Like, it's just different. Yeah, no, it'd be uh-huh. You do have to do the transportation piece that you don't have with a nanny. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think trusting your gut is huge here yeah. with home daycares. Yeah. Home daycares and nannies. I guess child care centers, too. Child care centers, to me, stands out a little differently because there's so much oversight. Mm. It's number one person. Whereas a home daycare could be one person, a nanny could be one person. Yeah. And it's just a lot of trust you got to have and you got to trust your instincts there. But like a center, you usually have multiple teachers and admin and whatever. Yeah. It's a different feel. <laughs> There's always some some like uh, hierarchy of totally. administrators or something like that. Even if it's a very small center, mm-hmm. There's even if the director works in the classroom also, there are other people there, usually other teachers, something like that, to kind of keep everyone in check. So. Totally. It's never just one person. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. So infants, check. Yep. Um, toddlers. Mm-hmm. So toddlers for me, like from the childcare person, this is, this is my wheelhouse, right? Like this is what I'm doing right now. Um, language development yes. and gross motor development are huge in toddlerhood. Yeah. And we know that if kids have language delays, then they're... Also, we're going to see delays in social and emotional developments. They might have challenges either with the receptive in terms of understanding what we're saying to them 
um, more expressive, expressing what they need, communicating with us. Um, and we'll often see uh, cognitive delays because they're working so hard on this one thing and they might not have the receptive language to keep up with the content or these problem-solving skills. So all that known about toddlers, like in a child care center where you have access to either other teachers to fire things off of, other kids that they can talk to and communicate with and learn from, um, and potentially like specialists. Yeah. More specialists on hand. Uh, of course, everyone has access to early intervention, right. no matter what your whether you're in a what your childcare scenario is. Um, but I think that like childcare centers, because you have to do assessments, you have to assess this development legally. Right. Um, that they're they're likely to catch delays, which we often catch in toddlerhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when we catch them early, and. I think that that's a huge plus to toddlerhood. I do too. Or to childcare centers. Yeah. I mean, I think that you, it's a nice time to have kids in a center because you get to really see them interact with other kids. Like you Mm. said, you can kind of pick up on um, if there's any sort of language stuff going on that you're Mm -hmm. not sure about. I mean, we also probably should say like kids when they're going through something can regress in other areas. Totally. That's totally normal, but that's also something that's pretty easy to see in a childcare center too. Totally. And well, it wouldn't come out in an assessment. Right. Exactly. We would just be like, all right, we know that they have this many words or they, we exactly. know they can connect these concepts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the documentation piece is really, I think a big plus for centers um, because the teachers are, watching they're making observations kind of keeping notes about stuff and and there's a lot there should be a lot of communication mm-hmm. with parents about that yeah um, I mean we know at least in Massachusetts there are two times a year that teachers are required to give right. that information to parents so at least sure there's... and in my center we have to do three times a year right yeah so yeah there's yeah there's more requirements there yeah um so I think that that's a huge plus there, the yeah. child care centers. Um, and it can be part-time, Yeah, right? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be a, a full-time in, in child care to get these, like, benefits there. Yeah, not at all. Um, again, it's going to be, like, decently costly. Right. <laughs> um, you're paying the, I mean, the overhead costs. Child care centers are losing money, like, nobody's business yeah. <laughs> right like it's it's a common problem uh i actually I just went to a conference for all the lab schools all the child care centers across the country that are connected to colleges universities and can do research and one of the keynotes i mean one of the big conversations was about uh just how do you keep these centers afloat uh financially right uh, because we're charging families so much and to charge them more feels painful, um, but it costs a lot to run a center. Yeah, it's very expensive. Um, so the child care cost is going to be real here with centers. Um, you're going to have planned toddler curriculum. Yes. And access to materials, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, pom-poms, 
got them. Right. <laughs> Pipe cleaners, got them. Right? Whereas, like, at home, you might not have as many materials or things like that. Um, and just the... It, you can to- you don't need toys and materials. You can do this without it. But it's just an added perk. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, like... The space is meant for mess, right? Like And for kids. Yeah. Like it's fine that they're gonna get glue and glitter all over everything. Whereas like you might not want that on your like nice couch or something. <laughs> right. Floam, hard to get rid of. <laughs> if it's at school, whatever. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. I mean, even just a space designed for them where they can climb, they can jump, they can whatever. Yeah, like, everything's their size. It's like Yeah, that's big. a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um and again, like you teacher wise like that's still all the same you have the professional development aspect you have all that jazz um i will say in general in child care centers turnover is pretty high it is yeah it's exhausting work it's underpaid yeah um yeah i mean it's we yeah. this is growing this is a systemic problem uh but that's something to expect that not every you kids might not even go a whole school year with the same teachers yeah it's a reality. Yeah. Unfortunately, like even though parents are paying a high cost, the teachers aren't seeing that because it's so costly to run the centers. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it is kind of a, I like to call it like a transitional job for a lot of people. I mean, mm-hmm. there are people that are so in love with doing this work and literally just can't afford it. And so they can't always stay. Yeah. Um, well, it's a very physical job. There are a lot exhausting. of things going on. And again, it's typically women yes. working yeah and it's a hard job to like have kids at yeah um things like that so yeah turnover is a big problem yeah um and and most teachers know they can usually make more money nannying yes and if you have a degree in early ed you can always make more money k through two. Oh yeah i mean i sit there with my master's in early childhood and i make i make decent money not gonna lie like for yeah. a child care teacher um and I can make so much more teaching public school mm-hmm. or private school, whatever, teaching K through two. Uh, my heart just wouldn't be in it. <laughs> I'd be looking at them being like, oh, I wish I had you as a toddler. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's a real factor. I know when, when you and I were working together that we had a handful of teachers that were applying for those jobs or hoping to mm-hmm. get those jobs, that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, and we knew, like, there was a cap. Right. They were going to make up to a certain amount and that the center just couldn't afford to keep, pay them more. Right. You weren't going to get another raise. Right. Yeah. This is a systemic issue. So the turnover piece is something to note. Yeah. Um, across the board, infant, toddler, preschool, whatever, just right. in a child care center. Yeah. Child care centers in general, it will be a thing. I mean, it's something to ask about. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. Probably not going to tell you the truth. They're going to say, oh, yeah, we have low turnover. Mm-hmm. They're going to highlight the couple teachers that have been there for 10 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just marketing. Yeah. Right? Like, they're yeah. you are a consumer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and their job is to get you in the door. Trying to sell it to you. Yeah, exactly. We can, uh, we could go on for a while about that sort of thing, those questions. Oh, for sure. <laughs> we'll go into that. Save that. <laughs> uh, we'll save, save that for the end. Um, yeah, so now, like, in the nanny world for toddlers, mm-hmm. I think... So you get this one-to-one care, which is so cool for especially like nap transition, mm-hmm. right? Like your kid's going to go down to one nap at some point and like that whole transition of like being able to have somebody that's flexible there. Um, 
somebody to give them one-to-one care still pretty rad (laughs) yeah um and to be able to like really provide emergent curriculum for them right to take if your nanny's going to do this to take what these kids are interested in and be like cool they like dinosaurs we can go to this museum right right lots of flexibility with so much yeah yeah with activities and planning and yeah play um unless you're in a nanny share you don't have that socialization piece which is fine i think for for early toddlerhood eventually i think it's really nice for kids and good for them to develop just the social skills mm-hmm. like how does it make you feel if that kid comes up and takes your toy right what's your learned response right if that if you are just one on one with a nanny the nanny's probably not going to do those things it's not so. going to come up and hit you that's right. for sure right <laughs> like but that's a re i mean Today, I had a kid come up, take a kid's toy, another kid, that, that kid turned and bit her. Right. And it was like, okay. Yeah. Right? Like, where do we go from here? Exactly. Uh, and it's just realistic, right? Like, especially eventually if these kids are going to uh, be in school, public, private, whatever, mm-hmm. they're going to need that socialization piece of like, if somebody says something that hurts me or does something that hurts me, mm-hmm. how do I respond to that? Right. Um. How's it make me feel? How do I process that? All that jazz. Uh, because if it's going to be dysregulating, learning's going to be hard. Yes. Like the actual content academia piece, it's going to be hard if you're dysregulated because somebody made you mad. Right. Um, it's the same with me at work. If somebody makes me mad, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> now it's hard for me to focus on my work. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that like, there are ways to build that in still with a nanny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can do play groups. You can even go to like, even just going to the playground and letting kids play. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say in early toddlerhood when I was a nanny, I mean, I did a nanny share, which was really nice for toddlers, I think. Um, they had each other to fight with and play with and learn these things with. Um, and like the one-year-old year, I love like trying to find that balance between letting them play but also being right there to step in and teach them how i want them to respond right right that like i'm not just gonna let you hit this child and this is totally like depends on your approach i know like there are different approaches to this and there are people that have different feelings about this for me i see it as like laying this foundation Mm -hmm. like i'll acknowledge your feelings here and say like made you really mad that kid took your toy i'm not gonna let you hit him right here's what you can do instead here's how you can communicate about this here are the choices right i'm not gonna let you hit him right i'm not gonna let you duke it out here (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what i was gonna say too is like i think it's important to have that interaction and to have those experiences and to understand you know what how do i feel when someone does this to me and then what do i do and to have someone that's there to facilitate how that quote unquote conversation goes between mm-hmm. these two little people that are fighting over a toy or whatever it may be. Right. Um, and the conflict resolution piece. Yeah. So I think like to your point, it's kind of important that the nanny that you choose doesn't just kind of sit on the sidelines and watch these things happen and be like, whatever, you know, I mean, this is my opinion, right? Totally. I guess like different, um, different schools of thought will feel differently about it, but, um, that someone could kind of help the kids work through it. 
not solving it for them, mm-hmm. not letting them solve it completely by themselves. But not no like, one gets uh, the toy. Right. <laughs> not that. Like, let's really work on this conflict mm-hmm. resolution stuff. Um, which can be great to have, like, the, this, your child is their, the nanny's main focus. And mm-hmm. so they're on it, ready to do that right away when it happens. Totally. I will say, like, yeah, going to the playground with the girls that I was nannying, it wasn't relaxing. Right. I wasn't, like, on my phone chilling. I was sitting in the sandbox, right? I was, like, right there watching them play, letting them play, sometimes having adult conversations. I hung out with other parents and nannies and stuff there, too. But they were always my direct focus. I would leave a conversation in nothing flat because I was going to step in and, and build these tools with them, exactly. right? Like build their toolbox. Right. Um, and I think that's an amazing part of one-to-one care for toddlers. Mm-hmm. Like having someone that can step right in and do that. But you got to be able to provide them with the social interaction piece too. Right. Um, also, if you can find people who have like a similar approach to emotional development as you because he's like terrible twos whatever like i have opinions about that phrase but um you're you're gonna see tantrums as their job is for us to set up boundaries and their job is to push them Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to see like are they real um and so we are going to see these like huge emotional expressions it's why i run tiny humans big emotions to like coach and support parents through like how do we respond to these um i wish i had like more nannies and whatever in my group too i think that'd be awesome um but yeah i think like finding someone who is approaching because the emotional piece of toddlerhood is real Mm -hmm. it's huge you need someone who has like an approach that's on board with what you want yeah um yeah because it's exhausting too yes yeah, they're, they've got a lot going on. And they are going zero to 60, back to zero. <laughs> yeah, right, so. exactly. Like, yeah, I had a little girl in my classroom the other day. She's just over two. And she did something that was really annoying. And um, then, like, we, we talked about it, we processed it, whatever. I helped her process it. Turns out I had not yet processed it. Because then when she came over to me and she, like, snuggled up to my leg, she's being so cute and whatever. She was over it. Yeah. In my heart, I was like, oh, I'm not over it. Right. <laughs> Don't hug me yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> um, and I, I still had to get over it. But that's the thing. Like, they can go boom, boom, boom. They're all over the place. Right? Like, yeah. I'm not fine. I'm fine. I'm not fine again. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to be able to keep up yeah. and know how to support it and not feel exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess finding a place, either a child care center or a nanny, whatever, that aligns with your values there because emotional development is going to be huge. Huge, yeah. Um, all right, so home daycares. I mean, the same thing, right? Yeah. Like finding that fit that works for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, toddlerhood is awesome, I think, for home daycares because you have that social interaction piece and you'll probably have some older kids yeah. to kind of look up to. You might even have like a baby or so where you – it's not all about you. There's like a focus on somebody else here. Mm-hmm. Um, you could probably participate, like the little girl feeding yeah. my youngest. Um, and yeah, but I, and you're not going to have the toddler specific curriculum. Right. That's very true. So yeah, um, as you were saying, like about the different ages and that sort of thing, I was thinking that can be really nice. And, 
um, you're, you don't have that same focus. It's not exactly the same in, in terms of like the language. I mean, maybe because there's an older child there, they get exposure to this, to language mm-hmm. that way. And they have someone that they can communicate with and, you know, hopefully this three-year-old is patient or whatever. Right. But, <laughs> um, Those patient three-year-olds, yeah, they're just running rampant. All over the place. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it's not the same. It's not specific to a two-year-old. Totally. Totally. Well, and I think like also like the gamble there is what's the emotional development of the five-year-old in the room, right? Like, right. Are we going to have some learned behavior here from the toddler? Yep. It's like That's looking on and learning. <laughs> yeah. his kind of like, well, then you kind of also need to hope that these older kids that your child is looking up to as their role model is a good role model. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I think it's huge. I imagine myself in that role as the home daycare provider, and I can't imagine having the time or the energy to pause and support that kid through that emotional expression, and then also, like, I guess, give my focus to everybody else. Yeah. Because those the expressions happen all the time. All the time. <laughs> and we don't want them to stop happening. That's not no. the goal, right? Like, yeah. they're going to happen. Yeah. But responding to them and being present to all the other kids is a challenge, especially if they're younger babies right. who, if a kid's got to eat or get a diaper change or whatever, like, that trumps the emotional expression. Yes. Right? Like. So then are you able to really stick with this right. child that's having this moment? Right. Through the entire thing and see it through and kind of help them process that when yeah. you have a baby that needs a bottle. Totally. And I think that's also just like real life parenting, right? Oh, like yeah, sometimes absolutely. you just can't. Yeah. And that's okay too. But that from the home daycare provider perspective, I'm like, whew, that sounds exhausting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? At least in my like room of toddlers expressing, they take turns for the most right. part. <laughs> yeah. Or there are multiple teachers there to step in and support different people. Right. Um, I, I think being a home daycare, daycare provider is remarkably challenging. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not being able to tap out. Right. Right? Like, and with toddlerhood especially, like, I got to tap out. Yeah. I got to at least, like, go pee. Right. Or just sit in the just bathroom. Be away for, for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, like, in a home, I'm sure, like, a lot of it is, is like, child-proofed, but it's not a child space like a child care center is right and so being able to like leave a bunch of kids and tap out for a minute i think is probably harder yeah um so i guess finding like that balance and it might even look like all right what's the makeup of the kids Mm -hmm. it might not even just be what's the feel of the place Mm -hmm. what's the whatever but are there a lot of infants and or are there a lot of older kids and there isn't anyone for your toddler to play with? Like, I guess looking at yeah. those factors. I recently, yeah. like, um, at the center that I was at most recently, had a family that came for a tour and uh, their child was three, somewhere right around three. And they were at a home daycare and they loved it. Very happy. It was a good fit for them. and But they were starting to look at centers strictly because the makeup of the other kids at the home daycare had changed a lot and now there was more infants. And they had even said to me that if there were, you know, 
two other kids or mm-hmm. one other kid that was in this child's age group that they would have still felt comfortable with that. Right. But there wasn't anyone else to be her, like, yeah, peer. Exact peer. Yeah. yeah, you know, like with the same age that um, they decided that they wanted to find something where there were going to be other kids that were the same age as her. So they were comfortable with the variation of different ages, but really wanted at least one other child to be on the same level as her. That makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and toddlers play differently. Right. Right? So like, to be honest, a seven-year-old or five-year-old, whatever, you're probably not going to want to play with the toddler nope. because... They don't have the language to do that you know, cognitively or in different places. So, yeah, I think having a peer is, it goes a long way in toddlerhood. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's dive into preschool. Mm-hmm. So, child care center. I think that, like, so when I think when people think of child care or, like, school or whatever, the earliest they think of is preschool. I do, too. Yeah. It drives me bonkers. Right? Because 80% of your brain, 80% of your brain is formed by the time you get there. Right. Um, But anyway, (laughs) uh, (laughs) enough of that little plug. (laughs) Uh, I I think a lot of people move toward a quote-unquote school for preschool, right? Like, I, you know, in the city, we're exposed to a number of childcare centers, nannies, and home daycares. You got the whole gamut here. And I don't feel like I see as many nannies with preschool kids unless it's like bookend, mm-hmm. right? Where you're yeah. doing wraparound care. Yeah. But in terms of like majority of their day, I feel like it's not as common. No, definitely not. I would say infant toddler is right. way more common for, for nannies. nannies. Yeah. So childcare centers, I feel like here is where people are like, okay, I want to put them in a quote unquote school right. so they can start learning. Um, hope you can feel my emotions <laughs> in that one. Uh, and and for them, I think a lot of times that means like looking for preschool, childcare, whatever, like more formal, structured setting. Yes. Um, there is. I, I think I think there are a lot of advantages here. Social play from th- for three to five year olds is huge, huge, um, and so having all those kids is like is amazing. Again, tracking development, yeah, it, it like keeps coming up for me. But I think like we know that if we can get into tiny human brains and support them before they're going to kindergarten, we can get them quote unquote kindergarten ready mm-hmm. from the perspective of like having all the tools they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, the earlier we get into that brain, <laughs> the easier it is. Yeah. So if we're tracking that development and we're seeing if there's any, they need any additional supports, mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of comes out in this childcare time frame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. 
It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and mealtimes and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Yeah, you could potentially have like 20 kids in a classroom with, I mean, legally two teachers. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Um, so your class sizes are going to get a lot bigger here for preschool. That's definitely an expectation to have. Yes. Um, in childcare centers, you're going to start dealing with things like lice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stuff that you like, makes me itchy to like think about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, knock on wood. I've, I've, I've escaped it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So like those things are just like on the scene. Yeah. They, and I would say if your child has been with a nanny up until this point, mm. um, expect illnesses. Ill- when yeah, they first just exposure to germs, you man. Know? Like if they've been in childcare since they were infants or toddlers, once they get into a preschool classroom, probably going to be fine. Totally. Like, they've already put all those germs in their mouth. Totally. But if they haven't, then... Yeah. Also, if they've been with a nanny and they're going to childcare, just like the transition piece of like... yeah. Again, what happens when somebody takes your toy or hits you or whatever? Like, their world is going to become about so much more than them for really maybe the first time. Yeah. And I think, um, actually, this was something I was going to mention about, like, toddlers in childcare, but um, routine, to me, Mm. I feel like routine and kind of expectations is really big for toddlers. And so you can get that with a nanny and in... um, in a home daycare, but I think that's one of the biggest things is that kids really thrive off of routine and knowing what's expected of them. And you definitely, like, there's no way that you can't get that in a childcare center. Yeah, you need it you <laughs> as a teacher. You <laughs> absolutely have to have it because your classroom will be madness otherwise. So I think that's really helpful. So then thinking about kids um, going into a childcare center in preschool, you know, it, if they've been with a nanny or something like that, routine may not be quite as solidified. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's something to adjust to. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So 
again, you have like those additional supports, all those other things we label about the teachers, but that turnover is still real. Yeah. Um, preschool teachers make a little bit more usually, so I think that yeah, I think the turnover can be a little bit better in preschool classrooms, but it's still there. Still there. (laughs) Some preschools are like half day. Yes. So that's something to note. Mm -hmm. Like, if if you choose a half day program, you're obviously going to need like wraparound care, right? Which might look like a combo. So, but I think sometimes people are like, oh, like this preschool super cheap. It's like, yeah, it was done at 1230. <laughs> and then you can pay for after school and pay for this and pay for that. But like, it's from a business perspective, like so smart because yeah. you can do these add-ons that end up really helping out. Right. Um, but from a parent perspective, like just to kind of anticipate that, yes. like early drop off, late pickup. Yep. All a real thing. And actually that's a good point too, is like uh, across the board, um, which maybe is more of like a uh, a question to ask, but um, timing, like when the center opens, when they close, and um, you know the center that we worked at. If you were you set your schedule, and then if you were late, you paid for that time that you were late. Whereas other centers, it's just drop off and pick up between two different, um, like between two between a time. I think the center we worked at is an anomaly. I've never, ever, ever seen a center like that again. Really? Yeah. Oh, see, I don't think it's that unusual to have like a late fee. Oh, no, not the late fee. Just that like you got to make your Oh, no, that was absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. That was like by far. It was wild. It was wild. (laughs) Really a parent's dream. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A teacher's nightmare. (laughs) It was horrible. Um, So just to like clarify that, you literally got to make your own schedule. So you could say like. All right, I want my drop-off time to be 8.15, and I want my pickup time to be 5.15, and that was it, man. Like, you got to have that schedule, and you only paid for those hours. Right. And then if you needed, like, all right, today I need to drop my kid off at 7.30, can I do that? We would approve it if we had the staff, and then we would charge you extra. But it was crazy. You got to make your own schedule and only pay those hours. So I think more frequently, there are, like, set hours. Yes. So, like, school met now, it's 8 to 5.45. And late pickup, I think you're supposed to be charged like a dollar dollar a minute or something. Yeah, the school that I was just at, we closed at six and it was like $15. No, no, no. $5 for 15 minutes or something like that. But from a parent perspective, like worth the five bucks. I know. (laughs) Okay, I'm probably wrong about that. (laughs) All right, that's fine. I have a great memory of that sort of thing. You had a lot of other strengths. Uh, So. I, but yeah, those are things to know. I mean, I think a lot of centers, I will say it's not really a problem at my center right Mm. now. For me, it's a respect piece of like, we can't leave until, I'm not going to show up late to work and make you stand there with your kid. Right. Right. And I expect you to respect my time as well when my shift is over because... We work in a field where you have to pick up your kid for me to go home. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, it, and I think parents for the most part get that. Yeah. But it is something to be mindful of. Yeah. With a nanny, I don't think it's Mm-mm. the same. And honestly, with home daycares, I'm not sure exactly how that works. But I would yeah. imagine it's I think a it's similar. I think it's similar though, where like, I think it becomes a habit anywhere. If nannying, if it became a habit with yeah. me, I would just be like, listen, this has got to change or I got to go. 
Right, right. <laughs> for, yeah, again, it comes back to respect for me. Yes. No, like, I totally agree. I'm going to show up on time for you. Honestly, I'm always early. Like, right. I don't expect you to be early. I understand you have a job. <laughs> and, like, things come up. Like, oh, a train, whatever. Yeah. But if it was habitually, like, oh, the train again, like, take an earlier train. Right. <laughs> like, clearly that one's not working out. Yeah, exactly. Um, or extend my hours. Yeah. Whatever. But, yeah, I think, like, in general across the board, everyone has a threshold there. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. So, now back to preschool. Right. Um, so... Again, you're going to have like a preschool curriculum in childcare, and this will be pretty structured. Yes, absolutely. Um, I th- a lot of preschool curriculum, I think, maybe I'm just living in this bubble, but is, is learning through play, is play-based learning, and emergent curriculum, where we're taking the kids' interests in writing curriculum. Uh, a lot of elementary school curriculum is read from a book. It's like mm-hmm. a signed curriculum. School districts are like, here's the curriculum you're using read this script uh that's not common in early childhood no so and, that's and, a huge yeah and i would say like and that's our hope that it's not common totally it happens <laughs> for it sure. does happen um but i mean we know that mm-hmm. really this is the time when kids get to learn those social skills and social skills are what help you get through the rest of your life <laughs> so we really want things to be play-based. Yeah, for sure. I don't care if you can read or write or whatever. I expect that you will be able to through play-based learning, but I'm not going to... Me sitting you down and saying, trace this letter, Right. I'm not bringing anything to the table. I can get that elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and In a way that's like more effective. Um, I feel like... So I've worked at a handful of different centers. I've worked at kind of like bigger, I guess, corporate centers. Um, they're like franchised. I don't know what they do. Um, and I've worked at, I worked at a center um, that I love, love, loved in, in New York when I taught in Brooklyn. And there were 10 total centers under that um, like umbrella. But, and then now I work at a center that's a single, solo, not-for-profit, standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, and ours was a standalone mm-hmm. um so i feel like i have different like perspectives on different kinds of child care centers mm-hmm. um and for me the like franchise corporate was the most scripted yeah i have not actually worked at a um like a yeah like i don't know chain yeah chain we'll go with chain right? yeah um i actually have not i'm just realizing now that i've always worked at um like single centers yeah that's what you want to call them i'm not even sure but um however i do know from being in this field Mm -hmm. that the chain ones there's a little bit more emphasis on like the marketing and that things are um need to be the same across the board between all of the centers which we feel that really so, things should be a kids aren't bit the same across more. the board in this <laughs> exactly <laughs> a little more individualized totally um so yeah that's uh that's but, but from like a curriculum standpoint like so i taught preschool at one of these right. actually and 
for instance, like I wasn't allowed to hang the kids artwork up because they wanted the center to look a specific way to have a certain brand or aesthetic when they were like giving tours and doing like marketing things. Um, so there's definitely differences within centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say like lo- apart from that like chain experience that mm-hmm. I had, every place else I've really been able to do emergent curriculum. Yeah. And my current center, the standalone center, I have autonomy over my classroom mm-hmm. 100%. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah. There's no even the other center that had like ten centers or whatever under the umbrella. There were a couple like things like if we printed things, they had to be in a specific font or whatever, just like branding wise. But mm-hmm. we got to do whatever we wanted from a curriculum standpoint, mm-hmm. um, which was dreamy. Yeah, for teachers, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I think that that that's a good point. Is that like your teachers really need to be putting in that work Mm -hmm. and it's challenging to make really it can be challenging to make really really solid emergent curriculum you have to be creative Mm -hmm. and feel confident and um i guess from a center standpoint like knowing i don't know if this is public information but like the average salary of a teacher could tell you a lot Oh, yeah. Um, in the center because, or even just like how much planning time a teacher gets. Um, when I was at the chain place, I didn't get any planning time. And that's, that is the norm. Right. Not getting planning time is the norm. Totally. Unfortunately. And now, I mean, I, I get so much planning time. It's right. amazing. Um, but it's nice because then I get to write this immersion curriculum yeah. that really is geared towards my kids. Yeah. Um, so... I guess that's just like things to be mindful of here. Yeah. But regardless, you're going to have a structured curriculum. Right. And that even, is preschool based. You, know, you probably should say like even if teachers don't have a ton of time to do this curriculum planning, they can still be, it can still be play, very play based. Oh, for sure. And just emergence going to be different. It's yeah. It's just not this exactly the same, but yeah. And from a teacher standpoint, you're just going to burn out. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you need that planning time because you have to get this stuff done. You have, to, you have to plan for your kids or else your classroom's chaotic. Right. And so if you don't have planning time, you're doing it outside right. of work, um, work that's already very exhausting and underpaid. So yep. cheers to planning time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in uh, nanny scenario here, we touched on the fact that, like, there aren't, I feel like there aren't a whole lot of nannies for preschool-age kids. No, not so much. And I feel like a huge part of that is just the value in socialization yeah. and that people feel like this learning begins <laughs> at three. Up until that point, they were doing nothing. But at three, <laughs> when they start learning, um, <laughs> then... That's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Uh, then they, they, we want them like in school. Right. Right. Um, and... Yeah, so I mean, you're you could have emergent curriculum for your three year olds, yeah. especially in a nanny share. Like, totally, absolutely, you could totally do this. You could swing this, um, and you could really be hitting your kids, or the nanny could be hitting your kids where they are developmentally and not having to reach twenty kids. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's a huge nanny perk here. Yes. Uh, I think, you know, you're 
the socialization piece is a little harder. Yeah. Um, there are groups. You can go to the library. You can do whatever. I would say it's not the same as a classroom socialization. No. But you're also maybe not going to learn, like, the crappy behaviors from kids who are still working on them. True. So maybe buying yourself a little extra time there to lay this foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, as a trade-off. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think there's something to be said for if you go to a consistent play group every week and you're in the child bonds with certain kids and they're, you know, they're going through these experiences with the same kids all the time versus like making a new friend and Mm -hmm, whatever. mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, I don't really know how much that would play out in the difference. Like I feel like kids don't have that same guard Mm -hmm. when meeting someone new. Totally. Um, They're just themselves. Yeah. Fantastic. So I think um, sometimes. sometimes. I think some kiddos I don't know, I think a friendship goes a long way. Yeah. I do I do too. I think I mean then there's history, right? And totally. kind of like have this thought about who this person is or mm-hmm. whatever where you don't have that when you first meet someone. So yeah, and the socialization aspect, um, with nannies and preschool, I think. I think it plays a huge role there. Yeah. All right, so home daycare. Okay. So I think here you can really get like the different ages of of kiddos mixing in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of home daycares have a, a good chunk of preschool-aged kids. Mm-hmm. I think regulation-wise, I know in mass, like you can only have so many infants or toddlers. Yeah. They're like, you got to kind of round out the, <laughs> yeah. the numbers with preschool-aged kids. Um. And I think that's amazing. I think you can get like a good small group going mm-hmm. here and still have that exposure to like younger kids and being the bigger kid and all that jazz. You're not going to get as concentrated of like attention, right? Because right. you can have infants, toddlers in the mix. Or as long, I guess you could if the home daycare was like primarily older kids. Yeah. But if you're going to have infant, toddler in the mix, again, like if, if a kid needs to eat versus I'm going to teach you this play skill. Right. I mean, eating Trump's play skill. We know where the priority is going, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess that's a thing. Yeah. But I, I think there are huge benefits to home daycare for preschool, in mm-hmm. especially in the small group aspect. Yeah. I do think small small groups is really nice for building those social skills. Huge. You can really respond to each kid. Yeah. Um, and, and their emotions. And you can, again, like gear curriculum for like a small group of preschoolers you know what i mean yeah you don't have planning time (laughs) i was gonna say to that point like you don't have planning time and um we don't necessarily know the background of our home caregivers and so maybe they're not as familiar well we do know that they overwhelmingly do not have a degree in early childhood right so that's true who knows um right how much experience they have with emerging curriculum totally or even just like the child development piece of like what we're trying to prepare like actual right yeah an actual kindergarten readiness yeah like i like to use that term loosely because for me it's not like knowing your numbers or whatever yeah but um just the skill set yes i agree going into kindergarten i will say i mean i have never worked in a home daycare so i i can't speak to um uh, like th- that quote unquote kindergarten readiness <laughs> part of that. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I know like a lot of centers that I have worked in, 
parents will come back or they have a, a younger sibling or something like that and they do say like the teachers are really pleased with how prepared they are for school right yeah i think it's a big plus for the centers yeah yeah all right cool so i mean we just threw so much information your way so much information (laughs) so i would love to pause here Mm -hmm. and come back next week with questions which is a huge topic i get from parents like what should i be looking for yeah and what are questions I should be asking? Yeah. Of th- these three different categories. Mm-hmm. Cool? Absolutely. All right. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be back at you. Woo. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. If this podcast has helped you on your journey, please take two minutes to leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for joining forces with us to cultivate this modern parenting village. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where-are-my-keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where-are-my-kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we-were-supposed-to-leave-35-seconds-ago mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.